This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. you sexy sat stackers and welcome to the latest episode of the bitcoin bulletin podcast we are coming to you well depending where you're at we're coming to you a few hours late or a day late as it is actually thursday august 10th uh have no fear though i did do our dca wednesday stack on time we just had a few issues getting the podcast up and running However, at the time of this recording, it is currently Thursday, August 10th, 2023, and we are sitting at a block height of 802,500. Whoa, I've never, I don't recall seeing a perfectly even block number like that. I mean, it obviously it happens, just not when I'm recording. Uh, and at block 802,500, Bitcoin is currently valued at a U.S. dollar price of $29,490 or 3,391 sats per dollar. That is a little bit more expensive than it was in U.S. dollar terms last DCA Wednesday, but nowhere near as expensive as it was just a couple hours ago, because if you're staring at those price charts, you know that Bitcoin popped above 30000 uh, when we had dipped as low as uh, 28000 and then uh, rallied up to $30,099 or such before uh, trending back down ever so gently to pretty much exactly where we've been the last, well, since uh, June 21st. So uh, more than two months now in that twenty-nine dollars to $30,000 range, which, as I've explained uh, time and time again, is exactly where we should be if history is attempting to repeat or rhyme. Because if you believe in the four-year cycle theory, the 210,000 block theory, whatever you may subscribe to, basically the halving theory uh, shows that uh, we go sideways leading up to the halving. And we don't start seeing the next euphoric bull run until six months uh, to 18 months after the halving. And of course, that halving isn't going to happen until April of next year. So, uh, you know, we're still uh, 10 months or so away from the having, give or take. Uh, so we sh we're doing, Bitcoin's doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. I mean, you never know what kind of black swan or golden swan or whatever kind of swan events might occur to uh, affect Bitcoin's price in the short term. There's certainly been a lot of positive speculation recently. We'll get into that in just a bit. But in general, every having cycle uh, we're in a crab market right now, going sideways until until after the halving. You know, when that halving date comes, it, Bitcoin doesn't just magically rocket to the moon. Even though technically the supply shock has begun, uh, it isn't felt for several months. Uh, the Bitcoin that the miners are dumping on the market, etc. You know, they've already been mined. They're coming from their stash. Uh, so it takes a while for those things to have any kind of effect. Speaking of having, we are currently sitting exactly 37,500 blocks away from the having. TikTok next block. As you know, the minor reward that miners receive for, uh, for finding the next Bitcoin block is cut in half every 210,000 blocks. That next having will occur on block 840,000, which is now forecast to be on uh, April 21st, 2024. 
But obviously that date is subject to change because what determines the having date, uh, obviously, is the block height, not the date, not our time, not human time. And while blocks are supposed to average 10 minutes uh, between blocks on average, obviously they don't. That is why we have the mining difficulty adjustment. Uh, and speaking of that, we just had one. We'll get into that in a minute. Back to the vital statistics, though. Bitcoin's Current U.S. dollar value gives it a market capitalization of $573.7 billion, uh, up $6 billion, almost $6 billion from last DCA Wednesday, but still in that, you know, half a billion to $600 billion range that we've been in for months, as Bitcoin does what Bitcoin does and, uh, and moves sideways in that crab market. Again, I often reference Adam Meister's 210,000 block theory. Uh, if you go back 210,000 blocks, we would, would be basically where we would be in in uh, in 2000 in 2019. At this point in 2019, Bitcoin had a little bit of a rally, uh, but then you know it dropped back down, and we went sideways all the way until the 2020 having, all the way till past the 2020 having, because the 2020 having was in the spring of 2020, and we didn't surpass Bitcoin's previous all-time high until like December 20th uh, of that year. So it was, you know, six to eight months later before we started seeing Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin price go up. There are those who say this time is different. And what's not different about this time is that every time they say this time is different. Uh, we'll get into some predictions here in a minute. Uh, but there are those who are, there are those, there are some very famous Bitcoin OGs, for example, uh, that might disagree with the this time is different thing. Uh, but first, back to the vital statistics. For those of you who value your wealth in Peter Schiffbucks, in shiny yellow rocks, little round metal coins. It will currently cost you 15.3 ounces of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. That's up 0.2 ounces more than it would just last DCA Wednesday. And as I said, everybody gets the price, gets Bitcoin at the price they deserve. If you're Peter Schiff, that price is obviously more than 15.3 ounces of gold because uh, I don't think he'll ever become a Bitcoiner. He's, he's in denial. Uh, but maybe one day he'll see the light. And when he does, it's going to cost him at least 15.3 ounces of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. For those of you who value your wealth in pizza, one Bitcoin will purchase you one million. One million? Whew. Okay, mark this spot on the tape because when Bitcoin will purchase you one million pizzas, we'll look back and we'll laugh and we'll say, called it. Bitcoin, one Bitcoin will purchase you 1,649 large pepperoni pizzas from Papa John's. Obviously, that is a lot more pizza than the very first Bitcoin pizza transaction when Laszlo purchased two Papa John's pizzas for a whopping 10,000 Bitcoin uh, in May of 2010, so 13 years ago, more than 13 years ago. Uh, that is a gigantic pizza appreciation in just the last 13 years, for those of you following pizza metrics. The mempool is looking a little less jammed up than it was. Uh, some of the um, websites that I've been following for my for my data have been had, had a few issues, uh, specifically around blocks and, and, the, and, the, and the mempool. Um, but I was looking at my mempool uh, to, to reference this, and, and, and currently I'm looking at Clark Moody's dashboard, and he's saying that there are 11 blocks worth of transactions pending in the mempool, and that is down. That's only a quarter of where we were last week when there were 41 blocks worth of transactions pending in the mempool. 
and, and the week before that, so two weeks ago, it's 54 blocks for the transaction. So that's been trending down. Um, however, despite that fact, Clark Moody is estimating that if you want your on-chain transaction minted into the next block, that you will need a minimum fee of 23 sats per V-byte to guarantee that. Uh, that is almost double last week when he was recommending a fee of 14 sats per V-byte. So despite the fact the mempool is clearing out, uh, fees have been going up. However, that disagrees with mempool.space's high-priority transaction recommendation. Last week, they were recommending a fee of 10 sats per V-byte for a high-priority transaction, uh, and they've lowered that. That's currently, mempool.space is currently showing the high-priority, in fact, they're showing across the board, high-priority, low-priority, no-priority. They're all recommending a fee of 8 sats per V-byte, which at the current U.S. dollar value is a fee of 33 cents, and that is the cheapest we've seen it in a while, 33 cents to send, you know, potentially millions or billions of dollars, depending whether you're, uh, you know, Michael Saylor or a, a nation state. Anywhere in the world instantaneously and for, uh, you know, just 33 cents is just absolutely amazing. Uh, so really, I mean, even if we went all the way down to one sat per byte, uh, you know, that's not, Bitcoin's not going to get a whole lot cheaper to send. Uh, 33 cents per 33 cents to send a transaction is, is pretty cheap. So if you've been waiting to make me consolidate some UTXOs, something I don't do, by the way, I've considered UTXO consolidation many times, and usually it comes down to one of two things. Either it makes it more difficult to track my cost basis, which UTXOs were purchased for what price when, you know, in case you end up selling them and having to report capital gains tax or, you know, or, or whatever, it, you know, tracking which UTXO was purchased when gets harder when you start uh, consolidating uh, or mixing, for example. Uh, so I have not done a whole lot in the way of UTXO consolidation. But if you wanted to, now is probably one of those times. Uh, the other reason I don't is because um, I like to have a variety of UTXO sizes in my cold storage. You know, one day, if Bitcoin's worth a million dollars, or even let's say Bitcoin goes beyond that to $100 million. So we're talking dollar Bitcoin parity. And do you really want to, uh, to have to spend a, a $10 million uh, UTXO for coffee or even to buy a house? So it's nice to have a variety of UTXOs as long as they're large enough that, you know, in a high fee environment that the fee isn't going to eat your entire UTXO. That's something that you have to do, a uh, decision you have to make based on your own circumstances. It's one of those do-your-own-research things. It really depends on who you are what your financial situation looks like, and what you're planning to do with your Bitcoin. For me, I like to have a variety of UTXOs. Um, and that's a different story for a different time. But uh, personally, I, I like to have them in the half a million to a million UTXO size. Um, I had heard people recommend a, a minimum UTXO size of 100,000 sats. I think Matt O'Dell had recommended that, or maybe it was Marty Bent. One of the two were saying that their minimum UTXO size should be 100,000 sats on uh, one of the rabbit hole recaps months ago, maybe it was uh, a month or two ago, and I, I kind of took a, a disagreement to that because, I mean, I've seen it, I've seen I've seen uh, transactions that were you know fifty thousand satoshi transactions when when the mempool is clogged. So, if you have a hundred thousand UTXO and you want to spend it, uh, and fifty you know half of it is eaten up in transaction fees, that's that's not very efficient. That's a total waste of Satoshi's. So that's a do you do you thing. And I'm, I'm getting sidetracked here because what we should be talking about is the vital statistics. So let's continue on with that. As you know, what is traditionally been my favorite metric is Bitcoin's 
24-hour on-chain transaction rate, and that is almost exactly where it was last week. Uh, last week's episode, we were averaging 4.8 transactions per second, and right now uh, the on-chain transactions are averaging 4.82 transactions per second, so pretty stable for the last two weeks. That isn't necessarily a metric that means a whole lot anymore. Uh, the only reason I've been following it is because I was just looking at all the different metrics available when I first started this podcast, and over the period of two years of doing this podcast, I noticed that anytime Bitcoin transactions were higher than normal, which at the time was about 3.15 transactions per second, that usually corresponded to an increase in Bitcoin price. Back then, you used to max out about four transactions per second before Taproot you know, made it possible to jam those smaller transactions just into the header space larger transactions, many, many small transactions into the header space to make the, uh, the number of transactions per second. Uh, we saw that the capacity for that then balloon up to almost eight transactions per second at the height of the ornals and transcriptions mania. So I'll keep uh, monitoring this statistic and, and we'll see how it goes, but uh, it's kind of lost its utility to me in the meantime. Uh, although it does you know, give you an idea of, of, of on-chain activity, uh, but again, that activity might not be Bitcoiners moving Bitcoin. It could be uh, BRC20 shenanigans, etc. Speaking of on-chain, uh, we just had a difficulty, a mining difficulty adjustment uh, yesterday, and that was a downward difficulty adjustment of 0.4%. So a small downward difficulty adjustment, less than a percent, but a downward difficulty adjustment nonetheless. As you know, Bitcoin mining difficulty is adjusted every 2,016 blocks, which theoretically is every two weeks, uh, with the goal of averaging 10-minute block times. Finding a block is random, so it's possible that some blocks take longer than 10 minutes, while other blocks might be faster. I've seen blocks come in back-to-back, -back, and I've seen blocks take more than an hour. But if you average out over 2,016 blocks, you should get an average of 10-minute block times. And if you don't, difficulty is adjusted, either to slow things down or speed things up accordingly. And we just had uh, a downward difficulty adjustment because blocks were coming in. Last week, they were, they were taking 10 minutes and one second per block, so not too much slower than, than intended. Currently, depending where you look, and this is way too soon to tell because we're 1,884 blocks away from the next uh, difficulty adjustment. So that's, you know, almost the entirety of the two-week period uh, remaining still uh, but currently blocks in in the uh, in the 132 blocks that we've had since the halving have been averaging nine minutes and 56 seconds which is a little faster and therefore if the adjustment was conducted right now it would be an increase in difficulty adjustment accordingly the two different sites I look at are forecasting that when we do get to the next uh, difficulty adjustment it will be an increase of anywhere between 0.2% and 0.48%, so basically giving up uh, the decrease that we just had. Obviously, 20% of the network's hash power is in the state of Texas, and uh, a lot of that had been turned off recently because, you know, those big commercial miners like Riot uh, have agreements with the power grid to turn their miners off uh, when there's times of peak demand. And right now is definitely peak demand in Texas because it is hot, hot and humid. And uh, it's really hot here, too, by the way. Uh, I am doing my podcast in a very hot studio. I'm doing it super early, fortunately, when the air conditioning can still keep up. Yesterday at this time, 
it was just unbearable. Not at this time. Yesterday afternoon, when I should have been doing this podcast, it was just unbearable in here. Uh, Florida gets really hot and humid in in uh, the end of, end of July through through September, which is when we usually see the peak of hurricane season, because hurricanes get their energy from instability in the atmosphere, which is basically heat and humidity. And uh, that instability is kind of through the roof right now, so I'm surprised we haven't seen any major storms yet, knock on wood. But we're heading into that, that time period when it is both hot and humid and when uh, the hurricane formation tends to peak. Uh, usually that's a little closer to September. Uh, so while you might have heard that Florida is melting, that ocean temperatures are at an all-time record high on the news media, that's bunk. I'm sitting here on the beach in Florida, and I can tell you it's exactly where it should be. Maybe it happened a week or two earlier than it normally happens. But normal is just normal. There's nothing written in stone about when the monsoon season is going to happen in Arizona or, or India or when the dust storms are going to happen in the Sahara. Uh, you know, there's a, a, a generally a time of season when, the, when the, like the Christmas winds, for example, change in the ocean. Uh, but there's some leeway there, just like with Bitcoin's mining adjustment, um, difficulty adjustment, or just like with the halving. Uh, it, it's, it's not precise it's not as far as human time scale goes it's, with bitcoin is very precise as far as block number goes uh, but you know we don't know when the halving's going to occur it's going to occur sometime probably in next next april but we don't know for sure and we don't know for sure when hurricane season's going to peak because nobody can predict the weather regardless of what they tell you real quick thank you to those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app such as fountain and breeze if you do not listen to your favorite podcasts on Podcasting 2.0 apps, I recommend that you do because, for example, I listen to my favorite podcasts on Fountain, and Fountain not only allows you to support your favorite podcast through the value for value model, you can actually earn sats by listening to your favorite podcasts. Of course, we encourage you to support your favorite content creators, especially those of us that don't have any sponsors, and you can do so by either streaming sats on a per-minute basis if you feel it's worth a Satoshi per minute of your time, or 10 Satoshis per minute of time, you can do that through uh, Fountain or Breeze. You can, uh, you can configure that to, to stream on a per, a per minute basis, or you can send a boost, which is basically like a zap, where you send a, a one-time support to your favorite podcast. And it, it's a lightning boost, and it comes as, um, not only does it allow you to tip your favorite podcast, but it, it allows you to send a message. And we do have a boost to read. It is from Leggy, and Leggy sent 5,000 sats and simply said thanks. So thank you, Leggy, and thank you for all of you listening to your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps. We do not have any uh, sponsors for this show. There may or may not be a commercial that uh, host read ad you hear at the beginning of, of the episode, depending on the episode and the platform uh, through Spotify, but or what used to be anchored by Spotify, but... Uh, to date, we have never been paid for that, so uh, we are completely supported by people like Leggy for that send us boosts or stream us sats on the value for value basis. So thank you to all of you using your favorite podcasting 2.0 app. All right, speaking of you listeners, our geographic geographic distribution of listeners is exactly the same as where it's been the last couple weeks. The top ten countries are as follows. Number one remains the United States, so thank you to everybody listening in the United States. Number two remains Argentina, so muchos gracias, amigos. Number three remains Germany, so danke schön, mein Freunds in Deutschland. I, have to, I haven't spoken German in a very long time. Uh, I took German in high school and in college, and without dating myself, that was a long time ago. I've been to Germany, but that was also a very long time ago, and I was listening to one of my old podcasts, and I felt heard myself saying danke schön, like the... Uh, 
like the um, the who's the, the '70s singer? I'm spacing on it right now. I'm in a boomer moment, but the song "Danke Shane, darling, Danke Shane." Anyway, I digress. Danke schön, Danke schön. I got to work on my German. But thank you very much to our friends in Germany. Number four remains Luxembourg. So Danke mein Freunds in Luxembourg or Morian for those of you who speak Luxembourgish. Number five is still Canada. So hello and hello, hello, thank you for sure, our friends in Canada. Number six is Spain, so muchas gracias amigos in Spain. Number seven remains Venezuela, again, hola, muchas gracias amigos. Number eight remains Colombia, so again, muchas gracias amigos in Colombia. Number nine remains Sweden, where nobody has reached out to me to tell me how to say hello or thank you or any customary greeting in Swedish. You know, you don't have to boost the podcast any money to, to help educate me. You can hit us up on Twitter, you know, send me a DM on Twitter, on Twitter or at BTC Bulletin Pod. Let me know how to say hello in Swedish. Don't make me Google this. Number 10 remains Singapore, where as well, nobody has reached out to us to allow, uh, to teach me how to say hello or thank you. So in English, I will say thank you to those of you in Sweden and, and Singapore for being our number nine and number 10 top countries for listeners. Lurking down there at number 11 remains Mexico. So we haven't even seen any mix-up in, uh, in, the, in the listener rankings, even below the top 10, uh, which is cool. Just like the Bitcoin Core Protocol, ossification is good. It helps you get to know your audience. At least it means people aren't bailing on you either. You're not, you might not be picking up any listeners in different countries, but you're not losing any listeners, and that's equally flattering. So regardless of where you're listening, regardless of whether or not you're supporting us on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app or not, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. Because you're the only reason I'm doing this podcast. And that might sound cliche, but that applies to any podcaster. Or it should, right? It's maybe there are podcasters out there just doing this for an ego boost. But for me, it's because I want to help Orange Pill people. I want to provide content to fellow Orange Pill clubs. I can't get enough of Bitcoin podcasts. And there are times out there when I'm scrolling through the different apps, just looking for something new to listen to. Or, or trying to find a podcast where they're not interviewing the same person that I just heard interviewed on every other podcast this week. So it, I, I, this is my way of giving back. So hopefully there's something unique to listen to every week. And while we're doing the same old shtick as far as our DCA Wednesday goes, I, 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 try, to, I try to mix it up a little bit at least as far as reading the news. Because, you know, the news is at least is, is sometimes the news is the same, but it's always a little bit different, right? The more things change, the more they stay the same, and the more things stay the same and the more they change as the saying goes and speaking of the news you know this time every cycle the news is always the price and it's always people predicting whether this time is going to be different or not or wondering if it's over uh, and people always they always say wow this time is different this is the worst bear market i've ever been through and i roll my eyes and say no it's not guys do not 2019 was exactly the same way hindsight you always remember things more fondly than they actually happened you know, you tend to remember the good and forget the bad unless it's really traumatic. Um, but look at the charts, guys, because the charts don't lie. If you look at the price charts from 2019 and the current price action chart overlaid, it is almost a perfect match. We're trending below, which might lend credence to the, you know, the, the diminishing returns theory. But in general, the direct, directionally, it's almost identical. It's, it's really uncanny. Even for me, who, who subscribes to the four-year having cycle theory and the 210,000 block theory, even with that mindset, it's, it's astounding just how close Bitcoin's price action is to exactly what it did in 2019, just on a lower dollar value basis because you know, Bitcoin's worth more than it does now because 
of the whole up and to the right forever, Laura, forever thing. But speaking of Bitcoin price, Bitcoin had popped, as I mentioned, all the way up to uh, almost $30,100 briefly yesterday. Uh, we were fortunate. We have already done our DCA Wednesday stack because we did it on time and we were able to buy on the way down. We'll get into that in just a minute, but we did buy a little cheaper. We did not buy for $30,000, so we got some more sats uh, than we would have had we bought at that price. Uh, also, speaking of price, the big news about Bitcoin price is you may have heard the bet on Twitter or X.com or whatever Elon wants to call it, but I'm going to keep referring it to Twitter. Just as the Sears Tower in Chicago is still the Sears Tower and Lakeshore Boulevard is still, or Drive is still Lakeshore Drive, Twitter is still Twitter, at least until, uh, until, until uh, I get over the denial. But at a Bitcoin pioneer, Adam Back, uh, who's also the CEO of Blockstream, by the way, uh, bet Vikingo, Vikingo on Twitter, 1 million Satoshis that Bitcoin will reach $100,000 before the next halving. Uh, they made that bet on last Friday publicly on Twitter. If that happens, that will absolutely be a this time is different. I would be amazed if it does. I would be thrilled if it does. Anything's possible, guys. I don't have a crystal ball, but I, you know, I've harped enough over and over again about how um, you know, history tends to repeat or rhyme. We did see a bump in price. Um, you know, one way this could come true is, you know, in 2019, we did see a huge spike in price and then it came back down, way down uh, to like $3,000 a Bitcoin before slowly creeping back up to, uh, the, towards the next, towards the 2020 halving. So in theory, this time could be the same and Bitcoin could hit $100,000 before the halving and then crash back down to $20,000. Uh, and then that would be consistent with, uh, with the uh, well, not with the two hundred and ten thousand block theory, because with a price being well above the previous all-time high, that would definitely break that rule. But who knows? Either way, Adaback has a bet out there for, and I've seen if you look on the news because I double-checked this a few minutes ago. All the headlines say he made a million-dollar bet, but I'm scrolling through Twitter and I'm looking at his tweet, and he's very specifically says one million sats, and even at a well, even at a million dollars of Bitcoin, that's not a that's not a million dollars. A million sats would be a million pennies. You'd have to get to $100 million for that to be a million-dollar bet. So scrolling through the tweet, Adam Back says, uh, I'm okay, but I'm okay with the 100K, probably sooner than the halving, April 2024, though, in my view. Vikingo says, want to bet me? Someone else says, sure, comma, terms, to which case uh, Vikingo, Vikingo, Vikingo Bitcoin 9 says, got many with other plebs, I want to take Adam Sats. Clearly a major bull. Adam Back then chimed in. So greater than or equal to 100,000 by 31st of March, 2024, midnight Zulu, or you win, right? How many sats? And of course, they settled on one, on one million sats. So there it is. The, this, this is a little more realistic than that million dollar Bitcoin Balaji bet, which even he admitted was a publicity stunt. Adam Back doesn't seem to be a publicity hound. He's an OG. This man has nothing to prove. Uh, he's sitting pretty, so he has his reasons. And we'll see if he's right or not. I, I would love it to be right. I, I tend to actually. I would. I would love to have more time. I would love him to be. I would love him to be wrong because I would like to have the time to accumulate as many sats as possible before I have to buy sats at the U.S. dollar price of a hundred thousand dollars of Bitcoin. But it's one of those things. I'd be happy to see my existing stash have more more value more value in U.S. dollar terms as well. Max Kaiser also chimed in on Twitter about the current Bitcoin price. Uh, he tweeted, uh, well, I was going to say just yesterday, but it's almost two days ago now. Uh, he, he tweeted an article that, that basically was talking about uh, UPS's new union 
contract where they're paying their drivers $170,000 a year. And I think their minimum employee wage now is going to be $20 an hour, uh, which part of the reason, most of the reason that we've, that we're seeing this gigantic and that we've had this impressive inflation the last couple of years is because of all the money printing, the stimulus, et cetera. But not an insignificant part of it was that $15 an hour minimum wage thing that we saw all across the United States. Everyone is saying, if you pay someone at Taco Bell or McDonald's $15 an hour to serve you lunch, your lunch is going to get more expensive. Uh, and this is another example of that. What do you think is going to happen to the cost of your delivery of your UPS package here? The, the price of delivering a package, if the driver is making a minimum of $170,000 a year to bring you your tchotchkes that you bought on Amazon. Uh, so Max Kaiser commented on that. He says, wage price inflationary spiral kicks into high gear, $220,000 Bitcoin in play. He does not give a specific date like Adam Back's bet does, uh, but you get the point. Um, and unfortunately, $220,000 Bitcoin might not be what it, you know, that might not, might, might not be as big as it is if it takes 200,000 it might not be as big of an increase if you think if it takes you know $200 to buy a loaf of bread for example so he doesn't specify that that's 200,000 $220,000 in current you know current US dollar terms the whole adjusted for inflation thing um, so i would like to see $220,000 bitcoin by the end of this halving cycle um, but i wouldn't i don't want to see it as a result of a collapse a global collapse in currency value Speaking of inflation, uh, the CPI number numbers, the official, as you know, completely BS and manipulated massaged consumer price index for the month of July is scheduled to come out in a, about an hour and a half or two hours from now. Uh, and people are, are expecting, well, they're expecting to show that increased, you get in a mixed bag depending on where you read. Most people are, are forecasting that inflation will have increased, not eased, but they're trying to come up with the mental gymnastics to say why well, that's a good thing. Uh, the article in Yahoo Finance currently uh, says stock futures rose Thursday ahead of the release of the July U.S. inflation report, crucial to the Federal Reserve's decision decision making about when to pull back on hiking interest rates. Blah blah blah. Something about the Dow and the Nasdaq futures increasing. Who cares? Inflation has been cooling down, and any sign of further slowdown in the consumer price index on Thursday morning could give stocks a boost. Okay, but then they go on to say it's not going to cool down. The CPA, CPI rate is expected to have ticked higher last month. So we're already contradicting ourselves, right? They're saying that they're looking for signs that inflation's cooling because that's going to be good for the economy and it's going to be great for stocks. And then they go on to say, well, it's expected that it actually went up. Uh, and continuing on, but economists think that that isn't likely to derail the growing prospect of a soft landing for the U.S. economy. I've got major issues with this soft landing bullshit-nickel because, bullshit because, you know, people have been talking about the Federal Reserve sending us spiraling into a recession, and then they're saying, well, maybe they're shooting for a soft landing. The Fed is saying they're shooting for a soft landing, and that is all bunk. We have not had a soft landing. Go to the freaking grocery store, plebs. When it costs you $200 to buy enough food to fix a family of four dinner for two nights, um, there's nothing soft about that. This soft landing means they think that inflation will ease, but that doesn't mean things are going to go back to normal. You still won't be able to afford to buy a nice house. It's still going to cost you more to buy your groceries. It's still going to be obscene to go out to dinner. We were going to fix dinner the other weekend 
we're going to have a nice barbecue outside. And I went to uh, the Publix, which is the big, the, the biggest grocery store chain around here. There's two big grocery store chains in the, in the Florida, Publix and Winn-Dixie. And Publix is, Publix is my favorite of the two. And I went to look at New York strip steaks, which are normally, you know, sometimes they were as expensive as $10 a pound. Uh, but normally they're around $8 a pound, $7.99 to $8.99 a pound uh, within the last year. And they were $26 a pound, $26 a pound. That's, you know, that's triple, triple, folks. And I don't care what kind of uh, public school you went to. Let's just round up to make this math super easy for those of you listening in California. If steaks were $10 a pound, and if we've had 9% inflation, let's round up to 10% inflation. A $10 a pound steak with 10% inflation, 10% of $10 is a dollar. So those steaks should have been $11 a pound. So fortunately, the easy way out of this for most economists is to say, well, we look at inflation and the CPI does, you know, they, they, it, it strips out the cost of food and, food and energy because that's volatile. But your gasoline for your car and the food you put on your table are the two most important things you have to have, right? You can't get to work without a car and you can't survive without food. So it's ridiculous to strip those out. Even so, let's give them the benefit of the doubt that um, that this is just a one-off. Pick your pick anything you go out and purchase today, and tell yourself that that um, that, and try and convince yourself that it's only ten percent more expensive than the next than last year. And you can't; it's bunk. So the soft landing is BS. It's bogus. Uh, we might we might not go into an official recession, but they've already changed the freaking definition of a recession. You know the old school definition that two two consecutive quarters of negative GDP was a recession. And by that, by those terms, we've been in a, we entered a recession, what, two years ago? So, you know, no problem, change the definition. Lie about what inflation is and you can call it a soft landing. Another meaningless BS term. Uh, I'm preaching to the choir. Obviously, you know all that because you're already probably as orange-pilled as I am, which is why you're here, right? As Bitcoiners, we know it's all a lie and that we know it's all just fiat, fiat BS, that it's Keynesian nonsense. Keynesian, Keynesian BS, Keynesian cycle babble, that it's all just smoke and mirrors to make you the average wage slave out there uh, pacified. You know, they know you're grumpy, they know you're angry, but they are betting that you're not angry enough to do anything about it. And so, you know, things go on. I don't remember exactly what the quote from the founding fathers of the United States was, but it was basically at the time of the Declaration of Independence that people can tolerate a heck of a lot of oppression as long as it's tolerable. It's amazing. It's kind of the old boiling the frog thing. You can keep torturing that frog and you can keep torturing the people and you can get away with it because most people are lazy and they just adjust. They get used to the quote unquote new normal, which is a phrase that just infuriates me because, you know, you shouldn't get used to it. You should demand that our politicians don't lie to us for starters and that they, uh, and that they look out for our best interests, not for their best interests. But obviously that doesn't happen. And I'm getting way off onto a tangent here. So let's look back to, let's get back to the Bitcoin news. And speaking of CPI, uh, despite the fact that the CPI numbers are bunk, and despite the fact that they're saying that there's an increasing chance of a soft landing, Coindesk is out there warning that this is actually going to be bad for Bitcoin with their headline, Bitcoin traders should watch wider inflation metrics and not just the CPI. Uh, with their article just a couple hours ago saying, uh, that wider metrics suggest a flare-up in inflation in months ahead, which may trigger a sharp repricing of interest rate expectations, bringing downside volatility risk to assets, including Bitcoin. 
course, that CPI data doesn't come out till 8.30 this morning, East Coast time, so that's still a little ways away. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it will probably have happened already, but uh, they're just going on to, sh- to prove my point that CPI is BS, that you know there's a whole variety of different inflation metrics. They're all manipulated to give the result that they want, and they're all radically different because they're all made up. On to happier news. Kathy Wood's ARC Bitcoin ETF application, as you remember, she was, they were the first ones to refile in the latest round of uh, Bitcoin spot ETF applications. Uh, she was being interviewed the other day about her Bitcoin ETF application. In theory, the deadline is in three days. The SEC has until April 13th to make that decision. However, that deadline is kind of bunk because the SEC also has the power to automatically extend the deadline. And they always have. In fact, I don't think there's been a single uh, SEC decision that's been made within the statutory deadline period. Uh, the they, they, they have a certain amount of time to make the decision, and then they have discretion to extend uh, to extend that and even Kathy Wood says that she expects that they won't receive an, a decision until uh, at least January uh, so there's a lot of speculation on why part of it is just that the SEC has never at least not in the last you know seven or eight years approved an ETF without extending the, the deadline again you know as long as they're allowed to keep pushing the deadline out we saw that previously with the other Bitcoin ETFs that were all rejected they didn't reject them right away they kept delaying and extending the deadline until they couldn't anymore and then then rejected them. Uh, and so it's expected that they'll probably approve a Bitcoin ETF now because BlackRock's in the mix and BlackRock controls Washington because they control a gigantic percentage of the entire world's investments, you know, the entire world's monetary supply. If that's the case, it's been speculated that part of the reason they're going to delay Kathy Wood's ARC Bitcoin ETF is because they want to give they're one of two things. Either they're going to approve them all in one fell swoop and give a level playing field, which I find very dubious because why in the heck wouldn't they give their buddies an advantage? So the, that gets in line with the other line of thinking, which is that they're going to delay ARC's Bitcoin ETF so that they can find a reason to approve BlackRock's first because historically the ETFs, when a new ETF like the gold ETF, et cetera, get launched, the first person to market takes the lion's share of the new customers and then becomes the biggest ETF of the new class. So it's expected that they're going to give the nod to BlackRock first and then trickle out the other ETFs. And by extending the decision till January of 2024 on ARC's ETF, that would give them wiggle room to do that. Of course, the third option is that they just deny them all again. Uh, And uh, that might not be too unrealistic either, because you got to remember that um, you know these are bankers and they know exactly how dangerous Bitcoin is to their bottom line, to their to their uh, to their in their entire life, their entire worldview, their entire paradigm. You know, Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin's ultimately going to bring that all down if they don't, you know, get on board fast. And so it wouldn't be out. It wouldn't be out of. I don't think it'd be out of the out of the realm of possibility at all that they just keep rejecting these ETFs and 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 tell you, well, you know, we're the SEC. We have the power to do it. Screw you, basically. We don't care. You know, come at me, bro. <laughs> kind of thing. Last but not least, I wanted to talk about the whole WorldCoin orb thing. And this news is kind of old, but it really got um, the biggest, the biggest aha, I told you so moment came uh, just a couple days after our last episode. And that was, I guess that was on August 4th. So the last DCA Wednesday was what, Wednesday the 2nd. So two days later, uh, it broke that WorldCoin says they will, they are now open to, or probably going to sell uh, its ID system, its data to corporations and governments i mean it's like hey we've got this 
cryptocurrency, but more importantly, we also have this biometric ID system, which is something that the authoritarian governments have been pushing for for years. I mean, they in the 1990s, Bill and Hillary Clinton tried to push a global ID. They tried to push, you know, a, 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 a U.S. federal ID, and it got resoundingly defeated, just like Hillary Care got resoundingly defeated. And then, of course, it became Obamacare a decade later. Then we saw during the pandemic, they wanted to do a global passport, you know, a health passport. And that was that was in completely contingent upon having a biometric ID. And so uh, this whole WorldCoin thing, I, I don't think... I don't think it should be a shock to anyone that this was never about the, their cryptocurrency. Uh, that's the con to getting millions and billions of people to sign up, millions or billions of people to sign up for their system, because now they have your retina, and that is the most intimate of biometric identification. Uh, so um, now they're going to go ahead and sell that to the governments, and voila, they, 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 they think they can weasel their way into being the de facto global ID. That's That's just my speculation, but I... I challenge you to prove me wrong, because uh, I, I, the whole the whole thing is just evil. It's just dubious in my mind. All right, let's get back to the real reason we're here, and that's that this was DCA Wednesday, or it should have been DCA Wednesday. As I mentioned, we already made our stack. For those of you who are new to the podcast, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging, and dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. Now, this is going to be our 107th stack. We started stacking more than two years ago, so we chose our equal portion as $20. I wanted to keep it simple for two reasons. I wanted to show that, you know, you're not too late, that even if you can only afford, you know, $20 a week, that it's that it that it'll eventually build into a, a an appreciable stack of Satoshis. And of course, along those lines, we chose our regular intervals Wednesdays because, you know, weekly is Weekly is a pretty reasonable, pretty normal DCA interval. Again, all of those things are up to you. That's a decision you're going to have to make. Do your own research on on your interval and your and your uh, equal portion, or whether you want to DCA at, at all. This is just an experiment we're doing. Again, we started all the way back on July 28th, 2021. So far, we have stacked 106 times for a total of 2,120 filthy U.S. dollars. And that, of course, includes $47.70 worth of fees because we've been using Cash App. They charge a 2.25% fee for purchasing Bitcoin, which is basically negligible when you're only purchasing $20. We're going to spend $0.45 cents in fees. Cash App, on the other hand, as long as you're sending at least 100,000 Satoshis and you're willing to wait a little bit, uh, will let you send that to your hardware wallet for free. So especially when fees have been a little more expensive, the uh, money we saved transferring those sats to our hardware wallets to cold storage has outpaced the two and a quarter percent that we spent in fees and when it comes down to it even the even the apps and the um, the exchanges that will let you trade with no fee quote unquote well they charge you a spread the spread means they charge you a little bit more than what you know the you, the fair price of bitcoin is just like atms do if you go to a bitcoin atm usually you know the bitcoin's going to be a couple hundred dollars a coin more than what you think the fair price is and that's their spread which is basically that's a fee right so you're going to pay to purchase regardless of how you do. I like Cash App. I like Jack Dorsey. I think he's got our best interest at heart. And I think that the fact that I'm going to be able to transfer those sats for free negates that 2.25% fee. Cash App is not a sponsor of the podcast. We do have a list of referral codes in the show notes for different services. Uh, it, there is one for Cash App. Everybody who has Cash App has a referral code. So if you don't use Cash App and you would like to use Cash App, 
please consider doing so by clicking on that link and using our referral code. You'll get $5 free for doing so, and you will be tipping the podcast $5 as well. So you'll be helping support your favorite podcasts, and you will, hopefully your favorite podcast, one of your favorite podcasts, and you will be, you'll be, you'll be getting paid to do so. Again, that's a do-your-own-research kind of thing. Cash App is not even available in most of the world, so uh, you do you. But if you do want to use Cash App like we do and you don't already have it, please consider using uh, that referral code in the show notes. And there are other referral codes in there as well for some pretty great deals from like Strike and and the Fold Card, et cetera. So scroll through the show notes all the way to the bottom and, and, and check out some of those links. That'll help support the pod. So we used Cash App and we converted 20 filthy U.S. dollars instantly into bitcoin and that twenty dollars we we purchased at the time bitcoin was worth twenty nine thousand five hundred eighty six dollars and forty seven cents usd uh so uh a little bit more expensive than uh well almost exactly where where it is right now Uh, but certainly cheaper than when it popped above thirty thousand dollars for that that short period of time in the last 24 hours that twenty dollars purchased us a stash of 66,078 sats, still a lot more sats than we were purchasing when Bitcoin was near its all-time high. Uh, and that increased our total stash to 7,409,569 sats. So 0.07 Bitcoin. Uh, someone did the math not too long ago, and they said if you took the remaining amount of Bitcoin, you subtract the Bitcoin that's been lost, etc., that for just every millionaire in the world to have uh, an equal share of the remaining Bitcoin that they would only be able to purchase 0.09 Bitcoin. So by that metric, um, we've stashed almost what the fair distribution per billion per sorry, sorry per millionaire would be worldwide one day. And I think it'd be really hard to argue that if we do hit hyper Bitcoinization, that that wouldn't be uh, a significant life changing sum. I'm starting to hear a really weird. I think there's locusts outside. The studio window because I'm starting to hear a, a really scratchy noise. I'm only hearing it when I'm speaking, so I think the noise canceling on my soundboard is is only partially getting rid of it. I apologize if it's annoying. I will try and clear it up. Uh, but we're almost done with the podcast. We bumped our stack up to 7.4 million sats, and we only raised our average cost basis by $12.47. Our average purchase price now is the equivalent of $28,000. $881.57, and that is not too shabby. We've spoken about this on multiple podcasts, the difference between if we had YOLO'd in on July 28th or, 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 or DCA'd, and if we'd YOLO'd in, we'd have almost 2 million, almost two million fewer sats uh, than we have. So I think we've already put that question to bed. If, for example, Bitcoin goes to the moon, if it hits $100,000, uh, this stash will be worth $7,409, which isn't necessarily earth-shattering, but definitely life-changing to a lot of people. Considering the average American has less than $500 in savings, an extra $7,409 could definitely get you out of a tight spot. If Bitcoin hits a million dollars, that stash becomes $74,095.69. And I don't know too many people who wouldn't consider that life-changing. Now, we're not talking rags to riches, necessarily. You're not going to quit your job and live on a tropical private island somewhere, but who would not feel a tremendous weight lifted off their shoulder with an extra $74,000 in their savings. Of course, if we go to a Bitcoin standard and uh, and we have a currency collapse like a lot of doomsayers and black swan prognosticators have forecast, the important part is you'll just have a stack of sats with any kind of purchasing power and it won't be, it won't be melting away like your fiat is 
uh, through inflation or even just flat out currency collapse, even if we don't get hyperinflation. Okay, guys, I was hoping to keep this short and simple because we are coming at you a day late. Uh, before I go real quick, I want to again ask you to reach out and follow us on Twitter. On Twitter, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod. Go ahead and send us a DM. Let me know what you think about our podcast series. Anything you'd like to hear me talk about? Uh, any ideas for additional uh, podcasts that you'd like to hear? Not a new podcast, but in, in addition to our DCA Wednesday series, sometimes we do you know bonus episodes throughout the week. And if there's something you'd like me to talk about, you know, send me a DM. Let me know. If you're not on x.com or Twitter, you can send me an email. Of course, my email address is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. Uh, and of course, if you want to help support the podcast, you can tip us on Twitter. You can support us directly through the Spotify support link. Or again, you can support us by listening to us on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app. So thank you to those of us, those of you who have been streaming us sats or boosting us. Thanks again, Leggy, for your 5,000 sat boost this week. Uh, and of course, you can support the podcast by you know liking and subscribing, whatever they call it on your favorite podcast podcast app, whether it's a download or a follow or a subscribe. That helps feed the algorithm monster. The more subscribers we have, and of course, ratings we have, the more people are going to see this podcast. All right. Either way, don't forget to join us this Wednesday and every Wednesday, except for the occasional Thursday like today, sorry, where we continue to grow our DCA stack together on our DCA Wednesday episodes. But until that time, guys, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>